0: truth universally I acknowledged myself have noticed my growing resemblance that to a gold daffodil. does not glitter to how I would die, not all are i had oh, reason oh, enough in, in the last few you if you want to rebel rebel from exist, inside the system but because they tell us that dragons I'm your host Vicky from Miss Vicky's bookcase let's begin our story together welcome to this week's review and we are doing the 10,000 doors of January now as usual I like to start with talking about the book cover which I have to say is one of the most stunning ones I've seen for this year. I really love the fact that they have this little doorknob and part of the lettering. I think that works really well and there's nice keys and flowers. It doesn't smack off, and this is what interests me, it doesn't smack off what the actual contents contain in some way, I mean other than the doorknob and the fact that it's kind of like a door and keys. It kind of, it doesn't give much away about how, uh, what kind of story is and things like that. So I kind of like it, it kind of intrigues, but it also kind of, is pretty, it's almost, I was going to say it's almost feminine almost. And just as a side note, one of the reasons why I do talk about the cover and kind of what impact it has is I watched a really good TED talk by a chap called Chip and hopefully I'll put a link to the TED talk below. It's really worth all this and it's only 15 minutes long and it's so fascinating about how book covers work and what people think about when they're producing book covers which is kind of why I talk about them because ever since then I've noticed book covers a lot more and it does have more of an impact on my choices and how I feel about the books sorry that was just a a bit of a side note i thought i'd mention as to why this is a podcast you can't actually physically see the book it gives you an insight into the book itself how about the author and again sometimes i'm debating about whether to take this bit away but i've learned recently and the more i've been looking at the mini biographies of authors i tend to find that the book actually makes more sense from an aspect of where they're coming from it's weirdly very interesting how much it emphasizes again and actually enhances my reading enjoyment so having said that now and kind of semi-justified why i'm talking about it i'll just give you the brief biography that alex herself or oh, as alex alex it's it's got an i rather than an e so i'm like is it Alix? alex alex I'm sure someone can correct me. So she's basically said uh, of herself, I've been a student and a teacher, a farm worker and a cashier, an ice cream scooper and a nine to five office dweller. I've lived in tents and cars, cramped city apartments and lonely cabins and spent a summer in a really sweet 79 Volkswagen Vanagon Westfella. I have library cards in at least five states. Now I'm a full-time writer living in with my husband and two semi-feral kids in Barra, Kentucky. It is, I'm very sure, the best of all possible work. So there you have it. A little bit of a snapshot of our author. So she's very well travelled. So what is 10000 Doors of January all about? Now, I don't think the summary does it justice because it kind of does cover it. This is where I'm like, meh, I don't think they did that great a job with it. And basically goes... In a sprawling mansion filled with peculiar treasures, January Scala is a curiosity herself. As the ward of the wealthy Mr. Locke, she feels little different from the artifacts that decorate the halls. Carefully maintained, largely ignored, and utterly out of place. Then she finds a strange book. A book that carries the scent of other worlds and tells a tale of secret doors. Of love, adventure, and danger. Each page turn reveals impossible truths about the world and January discovers a story increasingly entwined with her own. So this is a, I should mention this is a standalone and I will say there is room for her to write more if she wishes but it is pretty tidily finished. And you'd be happy to know that there are no real trigger warnings not even real mild ones from what I recall nothing that particularly stands out to me someone will probably tell me now that there's something but I don't think there's anything to worry about so let's get into the main graft of it. Now I'm kind of sitting here thinking about the different characters and it's going to spoil it a little bit but at least you know there are two distinct plot lines within the story and I'm just going to split them in two for the moment when i'm talking about the characters it's just a little bit easier to talk about one line and then the other so this is the main main plot line and it's all about this girl called january who basically lives with mr Locke, of course which is what it says in the summary and you see her from about age eight up until she reaches a big birthday which i want to say is like 18 probably is 18 and I'm just I'm just not a fan of January's personality. She is naive almost to the point of stupidity and that blindness kind of almost semi-leads the plot along a little bit because you are seeing her from a very young girl and she's almost it's like the Stockholm syndrome almost where Locke does specific things that you would you'd almost automatically clock uh, isn't that a little bit on the offside? she kind of doesn't really clock it and that kind of what annoys me throughout the book, her just not really clocking it and having thinking about it now maybe it is partly the Stockholm Syndrome where she almost can't believe some of what happens to her and she kind of disbelieves the fact that Locke could be a villain. It's all, it's all kind of, I wouldn't say woolly because I actually think that The author did a really good job with writing January because it is very consistently written that January is naive, and that it does come across like that. I just, I'm just not a fan of the personality and some of the secondary characters a little bit in the main story are a bit undeveloped. Like I actually really like the character Samuel, and he kind of grows up a little bit with her. He doesn't live with her or anything like that, and. I like him, he almost has a Mary Jane situation with his personality, I can't really remember if he if he really had really obvious flaws but I just liked him for the fact that he was almost like the knight in charming armour and I, I I do like that kind of thing. So that from that aspect I really like his personality and the way he works, I just found it a little bit underwhelming and that's the same with Jane which is one of the other side characters where I think. The author could actually write a lot more about Jane, she was very interesting in that way, the fact that she did things and she was very determined, I liked that, but again it just didn't feel like it was as developed as it could be. Having said that though, Jane was definitely more developed than Samuel and you kind of found more out about Jane which was really nice. Now Locke is the main protagonist in it and in some ways again I'm not sure what to make of him. I mean he is the villain, but he's a semi good man and this is something that because you're seeing it through January's eyes, and because she has this weird naivety towards Locke and she keeps thinking of all the things he's done for her, it takes a lot longer to really find that he is as bad as he could be. And it it's difficult because you kind of want almost like an out and out villain I'm going to kill you type thing. And it's not really like that, which if you wanted a villain who isn't just black and white it is great from that aspect because he's not all bad he's not all good he kind of shades mostly in the gray area where he is very determined to get january to be what he wants her to be and to have and to fulfill her destiny almost he doesn't really say destiny but that's the impression you get he wants her to fill this specific destiny that he has in mind for her and I don't think he dislikes January either, and that's the thing, he doesn't particularly dislike January, which kind of makes him more of a a 3D character compared to just the traditional good-bad villain. But I, I have to say, Locke is one of the better written characters, and weirdly now thinking about it, along with Samuel, he's probably one of my more favourite characters in this book. I mean, there is... This is difficult because Locke is the main protagonist but there is a kind of like secondary protagonist as well. It throws Locke into a kind of almost good light. I say almost good light but if you read the book you'll see what I mean. Where it's a creepy vampire who seems way more scarier than Locke in January's mind. And that is who she almost focuses on as the protagonist with kind of Locke as the... Oh he he can't do no wrong almost. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Anyway, the second plot line of characters, I'm just not a fan of. I really didn't like Adeline, which is one of the main two main characters in the second plot line. I just don't think, uh, she grated on my nerves because I don't think I like that kind of personality. But again, I do have to admire her tenacity and lack of worry about being a woman in the uh, period that it set, I want to say the 1800s, and I do admire that. I just don't like her and I i kind of wanted to skip those bits and it's kind of almost the same with the other main character, Jewel. I did like the fact that he focused on what he really needed to do and that he worked hard to achieve it and he did but there's something about it that just really just gives me a dislike of him and I felt like with throughout the second plotline with the characters I just I just wasn't really getting on with it and I just felt again a bit of a lack but I think that's me more than anything else because I wasn't enjoying the second plot line. So moving on to kind of like the atmosphere and I'm struggling to remember any kind of atmosphere because it is several months since I've read it and if I'm not really remembering the atmosphere now even though I can remember characters and that kind of thing I don't think it left me with a great impression. There was nothing really distinct about it and I think that's one of the things that kind of let it down a little bit. Perhaps it's just me. But on the other hand, I will say the writing, that is something that generally is not my cup of tea. I'm not a fan of flowery writing or overly wordy writing, definitely more the straightforward type. But I will say I thoroughly enjoyed the way Alex Harrow actually wrote the book, really enjoyed it. I felt like it was the right side of flowery if that makes sense it wasn't overly done and I really really liked that so well written and that's why I kind of kept with it a lot it was well written to keep my interest there was one thing with the style of writing that I kind of disliked, and I think that's because she wasn't consistent enough and the biggest downside was the breaking of the fourth wall in a couple of unexpected places generally it doesn't bother me that there you know that the writer directly addresses the person doesn't bother me at all in fact sometimes it can be used with great emphasis so for example of course Jane Eyre is the one I always think of when she goes dear reader and I like that and I wouldn't want to change that but the use of it here in the 10,000 doors of January it just doesn't work as well because she does it in such odd places and it's not hugely consistent and actually, really, it just jolted me out of the story because the the suddenness of the direct addressing and it only happens like three, maybe four times perhaps in the book and it just jarred me out the story and I didn't like it from that aspect but it is a relatively minor one and as much as it did jolt me out the story, I did seem to get back into it pretty quickly so I can take that here or there and of course you know, it is a minor thing. So with the plot itself, it does, as I said before, split between two plot lines. And I like the fact that with the second plot line, they'd give like a three line summary of what is going to happen so it gives you time to orientate yourself from one part of the story to the other part of the story which was really really useful. Now with the first plot line which is of course January we are watching her grow and see the restrictions and controls Locke puts on her, you're almost divorced actually from the storyline and you can see what's happening and you're almost like oh I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to end well. and it's all very subtle and very slow moving which is fine I don't mind slow moving it is I mean the story does get better and better as you go further into the book thankfully and I did enjoy certain aspects of the story as kind of January half realizes what kind of person Locke is like and what happens but at the same time it's missing something and I just again can't quite put my finger on what it's missing. but I will say that the way the two threads of the plots go together, so before I talk about how they go together, the second storyline, I'll be honest, the first time the inter- one of the interludes happened, I skipped it because I started reading it and I was like, blah 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 blah, blah blah. It was a bit boring and of course, if you skip a bit, you kind of it doesn't quite make sense again a little bit and it kind of i will say when the first interlude happened it didn't quite make sense as to what was happening and again that was something that was a little bit jarring for me but that's more of a plot orientation thing than not the other thing is i didn't like the second plot line at all i think that's mostly because i have issues with the characters i just wasn't a fan of them i didn't gel with them very well and i didn't really i found them annoying (laughs) Which is not something you really want on a second plot line. Now, as you have both of the plot lines carrying on, I found it really interesting how they eventually entwined together. And I will say, from that point of view, as they entwined together, they entwine really well. And for once, I actually had suspicions well before they actually entwined more or less together, as to what was happening and how it all worked and I don't really want to say too much about that because I feel like it will spoil the story and it will spoil how the mystery of it is because it kind of is a mystery as to how these two plot lines fit together and I think from a plot line point of view Alex Harrow did a really good job with that and I enjoyed how that mashed together she did so well with that I really enjoyed that aspect of it on the other hand from a different point of view from the an intrigue point of view, whether it kept me going, it was very low level intrigue. I have to say i it was enough to keep me going the way it was written, how the plot line was slowly intertwining together. that worked so well, and I did like the use of Locke and theme as a villain and not a villain at the same time. That kind of worked well as well. So from an intrigue point of view, which is kind of like my next section, it's it was all very low level. I was kind of semi-interested, so I didn't mind carrying on. But I fully admit, if a more interesting book had come along, I probably would have stopped reading January and not finished it. And in some ways, I'm like, I can't believe there are some people who are like, this is life-altering, this is an amazing book. And I'm like, well, it was nice. I liked the writing, but it just it kind of low level kept me going now the one last thing i'm going to address before going on to how much i enjoyed the book and that is generally the logic of the book as far as i can recall it the general logic worked really well everything was very consistent the characters were generally consistent even if they were a little bit 2d which is fine and the development wasn't too bad at all so in general the whole logic of the book was absolutely fine there was no issues that sometimes I do find if a character is a bit on the inconsistent side I don't know like they loved pink and now they've changed to green without one without you wondering why they've changed from pink to green it does work much better than I thought it did and actually it does get top marks for having a great general logic and consistency with the enjoyment of this book and this is my I suppose I'm going to give you a rating Uh, I originally gave this a two star rating But thinking about it a couple months later I did enjoy it more than that a little bit so it has risen up to three stars but I think the problem is I did find the story a bit on the boring side and although it did keep my interest in a vague way if I'd had anything better come along I just would have immediately stopped and just probably not gone back to it. I know some people as I said before have found this book amazing and life-altering but no it just didn't do that for me. In my opinion i feel like this book was actually aimed at the non-fantasy audience more of a mainstream thing that someone may well pick up that they may not do if it was badged as a full-on fantasy book i definitely found this in the general fiction section of the library rather than the fantasy section and it does kind of remind me of either the night circus by erin Morgenstern or strange the dreamer by lanny taylor It kind of has those kind of vibes. And, you know, it's fine. just feel really vague about it all. So that kind of gives you the idea as to kind of the books I'm thinking of when I think of The Ten Thousand Doors of January. If you enjoyed The Night Circus or Strange the Dreamer, then you're definitely going to enjoy The Ten Thousand Doors of January. So I hope you enjoyed the review today and that you may have a go at something different if you've not tried- oh I almost forgot five words to describe this book just in case you want a quick snapshot and that is magical realism, slow, mystery, other worlds and flowery. I hope you've enjoyed the review today and that if you haven't read something like this before you might want to have a read. Definitely try this one compared to The Night Circus. I didn't enjoy The Night Circus at all compared to this. And see if you enjoy it or have the same problems as I have done. So I will see you next week in the next podcast. Bye! Our story together has come to a close. Join me next time for a new adventure. Ankh Morpork Pearl of cities. People really are like houses. This is not. With vast rooms libraries were full of ideas perhaps the most dangerous and She delighted in the smell of the ink the rough feel of the paper had commented once that neil had a gift story for only making be someone annoyed by to punch children him. is Just not so. a good children's story weak-minded, refused to be influenced by literature and